0: Welcome to Coffee U, the only podcast that provides weekly updates and expertise from farm to cup. We practice what we preach and we live what we teach. Let's start elevating your coffee knowledge with your instructors, me, Nathan Parvin, and Brad Haynes, proud president and vice president of Baba Java Coffee. Class is officially in session. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Coffee U. Today, okay. we're going to learn about the history of coffee. Brad, Jeez. you know I love my history.
1: Uh, yeah, you're a nerd. And you're
0: a I love my coffee. So, the history of coffee, what's not the love about both of those things put together? I mean, I'm ready. As always, we have our Vice President of Operations for Baba Java Coffee, who knows everything about coffee, <laughs> Bradley Haynes. Well, everything. Everything you know, Maybe. I mean, I don't know. Well, then I should much, be doing but, this
1: podcast, not you. Then, if that's the case. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah, but I'm the I'm the <laughs> moderator. And then our uh wonderfully talented, beautiful Miss Rachel Parvin behind the board. Hello, Rachel. Hey, Rachel. Hello, hello. I feel like so, I need a catchphrase. You got uh, Rad Brad. I know. Uh, yeah. Gotta come up with something. So yeah, yeah, we'll we'll figure something out. I don't want to just spit <laughs> something out right now. Anyway, uh. So yeah, history of coffee. So this is like a four hour podcast, like your boy. If it is Dan Carlin, right?
0: Yes, yeah, we're going all Dan Carlin. I told you about the one I was just listening to with Dan Carlin. Yeah, you got Dan Carlin, right. and you got Elon Musk. I, I, I mean, I really how can does you, sound interesting. I'm gonna have to. listen How can to you? I yeah. mean, it's amazing. How about Elon.
1: Anyway, anyway, we need to get Mister Elon on our podcast. Talk about coffee.
0: I'm sure I wonder, he'll, uh, what is, how do you, do you think Elon likes coffee? Do you, I bet. Oh, I'm sure he does. Because, I mean, he doesn't sleep. He sleeps at the office. Or, or does he, is he a robot? I think he's a robot. He might be. <laughs> he's already, he's
1: already created a robot of himself and he's just chilling. Probably.
0: Uh, that really is Bahamas, probably. Right? somewhere. I don't know. But, I, but if you, if, if you work as much as he does, uh, right. Uh, supposedly. Yeah. You have to drink a lot of coffee. Well, you, yeah. Well, he's probably invented some
1: amazing coffee machine that he only uses for himself. So. I need him to send it to us yeah. so we can use it in our shop. But it, of course, is battery-powered, right?
0: Of course. Of so, course of course, it is. Elon, if you're listening, we need it. So Elon has made many technological discoveries, mm. not discoveries, but advancements. Inventions. And inv- yeah, mentions, yeah, of course. Things like this. And many discoveries that we've had in the history in, of the world, in the history of the world, mm. the of the world mm. have been made by accident. Penicillin. Yeah, is one that has changed that changed For antibiotics sure. forever, definitely, um, among many others. And coffee is no different. This discovery, An accident, coffee, coffee was discovered by accident. Yeah, so so imagine this. It's the year 850. Okay, Ew, I don't want to live. That and either. a goat herder named Kaldi, okay, where spending his days and nights. Or, where, where are we? Watching over his goat herd in Abyssinia. You know where Abyssinia is? No idea. Abyssinia is modern-day Ethiopia. Oh, that makes sense. Okay. And of course, you, you're a goat herder, so every day is basically the same, but this day was different. The goats were acting rather strangely. Okay. You know how they were acting? They were a lot more active than normal. They were right? not eating so everything in sight? They they, yeah. Yeah. Goats always eat everything in So they were doing that. <laughs> that would be abnormal would be. Nice. But instead of just eating and being goats normally, yeah. they were eating and they were jumping around very active and crazy. And so they were jumping crazy- goats. Bleeding louder, running around yeah. more, almost dancing. So this excitable activity yeah. lasted not just all day like normal. The goats usually settle down at night. Yeah. But this, this time, yeah. it lasted well into the night. So Caldy decided, decided to investigate to figure out why these goats are so excitable. So what he, did, what he did was he found that the source of their excitability was this strange little shrub mm. where these little cherries are on the shrub. And the goats were eating this fruit okay. on this little shrub, on this little bushes. They were out right next to the mountain. Yeah. And then once they ate those, those little cherries from the mountain, yeah. um, from the bushes, they got excitable. That's when they were acting so crazy.
1: Are you sure about that? You see, maybe
0: these <laughs> goats, and you know how I love goats. You these goats like had discovered coffee. You know, once I retire, I'm going to have a goat and camel farm. I don't know if you knew that.
1: Rachel, you're supposed to take care of that for him. If you... Yeah, I think that's, that's going to be a new.
0: <laughs> Rachel, you could be a camel farmer. So Caldy tasted, So he, did, he saw that the goats didn't die. So yeah. he tasted some of this, the, this fruit, all right? Okay. And he didn't die, which is great. He felt energized, alive, and he was able to maintain his alertness all day and all night. Sounds like a good caffeine kick he needed. Yes, it was. All right. So he decided to go to the monastery, mm. all right? So he took some of this fruit from the bushes and he took it to the abbot at the local monastery. And he told him about the goats and what had happened with his experience. Mm -hmm. So the abbot balked at this idea and he threw some of the cherries in the fire. As the fire started to roast, the coffee made a wonderful aroma in the the monastery. Wow. The other monks were drawn to the smell. They were wondering what that smell was. So they came to investigate. So they raked some of the coffee out of the fire and then they crushed the cherries, Mm -hmm. the roasted cherries, Wow! And they added it to the water and coffee was born. The monks discovered they were able to stay awake through the long nights of study and prayer and the word spread throughout the region. That's the origin of coffee.
1: That's the origin. That's the origin of coffee.
0: You sure? Historical, historically accurate. Are you sure? Well, that's what I read. It was on the internet,
1: but there's also, I mean, yeah, but I think there's other stories too. I'm not, Maybe okay, it's possible. Okay.
0: okay, okay. Maybe it was this one. Maybe it was this one. Okay. Hungry and shamed by his banishment from Mocha in Yemen, and excited and exiled to the wilderness outside the city. I don't know the difference between excited and exiled. Apparently, he there wasn't excited because when you're exiled, you're not really that excited. So Maybe. Yeah. So he was Maybe exiled to yeah. the wilderness outside the city. Okay. Sheikh Sheikh Omar Omar. Okay. Was trying to survive with no food and no prospects. Omar decided some, noticed some shrubs on the mountainside. The cherries looked so edible, so he picked some of them. Yeah. And blech, it was really bitter. So he boiled some water okay. and made a type of soup with the, with the cherries oh. to cut the bitterness. Coffee soup. And after a while, he decided to try this. Okay. Not only was it delicious, he found that it gave him energy and it sustained him for many hours, even days. He refined his recipe and he eventually shared his discovery with the others in the area. He was allowed to return to Mocha and his Gahawa was loved mm. and said to have even cured many ailments. Because of this, this discovery of Gahawa, he was eventually hailed as a saint and revered in the city where he was once exiled and shamed. That's how, that's how coffee was born.
1: Uh, so it's the first one and the second one then? Maybe?
0: Maybe. I don't know. Maybe, traveling through Ethiopia, the that's Sufi mystic Sheikh al-Shadi, huh noticed some birds acting strangely. He noticed okay. that these birds were eating the fruit of the bun plant, bun, oh, and flying see. around with much vitality. He prepared some of the fruit for himself, and he nourished him, and he found that it promoted wakefulness and stimulation for his religious duties. Okay. So he began routinely, routinely consuming this, mm. and, it, and he directed his followers to do the same. So it became widespread in his native Yemen, and, he, and it was a hit with everyone.
1: So there's something interesting about all three stories. What's that? Everyone gets excited when they drink coffee. Yeah. Why is that? Well, it's an exciting drink, maybe. And the caffeine, of course. Maybe play something into it.
0: You think so? Yeah.
1: But well, uh, So you're saying these are all possibilities of how coffee well, was? Well, they're obviously legends? apocryphal,
0: and they're all legends. So, so this is not really the, the true history of coffee. Rachel, you've got to put Definition of
1: apocryphal in the show notes, please. Thank you.
0: Will do. <laughs> no matter which apocryphal story is true yeah. or is the true origin, and maybe none of them are, we do know it was discovered and began to be imported to Mocha, which is now modern day Yemen, in the 15th century, in the 1400s. Yeah. Coffee houses began to open up and they became popular in Mecca and in Constantinople. The world's first officially known coffee house was Kiva Han in 1475 in Constantinople, which is, of course, modern day Istanbul. Have you ever been to Istanbul?
1: I have.
0: And it's yeah. fantastic. Did you drink coffee there? Uh, you got to. You think that's where Turkish coffee came from? Since it's in the name, probably. We're about to find out. <laughs> so coffee <laughs> spread from the Kaffa region of Ethiopia to the Arabian Peninsula. So it so originated in Ethiopia, just like what we talked about before. with Yes, that it, is right? correct, actually. So it, it it spread to the Arabian Peninsula, particularly to Yemen. Well, who did that? We're about to find out. Oh, sorry, I'm jumping the gun. This may be where the original name coffee came from, although some argue that it's from the Arabic Gahua and later Turkish "kahve," which came from the root for for wine, as it was thought to be an intoxicating drink like wine. Whatever etymological origin, do you need to put the definition of etymological also? Yeah, add that.
1: I can certainly do that. So we got
0: apocryphal (laughs) and etymological. We need to have a big word of the day. Those might be candidates. Those are good ones, yeah. The evidence okay. of the knowledge of coffee of the coffee tree and coughing and drinking coffee became more concrete by the late 15th century. So that's the, the late 1400s. Okay. Sufi Sufi Imam Muhammad ibn Sa'id al-Tabani is known to have imported goods from Ethiopia to Yemen. So mm-hmm. that's how it got from Ethiopia to Yemen. Coffee was first exported perhaps by Somali merchants for Ethiopia to the port cities of Yemen. So it could be from this guy, Ibn Muhammad Ibn mm-hmm. uh, Imam, Muhammad Ibn Said al-Dabani. Yeah. Try to say that five times fast. It'd be hard. Or by these Somali merchants. Sufis in Yemen, after it got to Yemen, the Su- some of the Sufis, uh, the Muslim Sufis, used this beverage as an aid in concentration of their religious duties and as a kind of spiritual intoxication when they chanted the name of God. The Sufis used it to keep themselves alert during their nighttime devotions.
1: More alertness in the coffee history. Apparently, in, uh, big, and religion playing a huge when
0: party. I'm when I'm doing my prayer time, I need I need some yeah, coffee. Yeah, it's helpful. Definitely helpful. <laughs> so a, a historian from Cairo relates: this is a quote. Quote At the beginning of this, the 16th century, the news reached us in Egypt that a drink called Kahwa had spread in Yemen and was being, being used by Sufi sheikhs and others to help them stay awake during their devotional exercises then it reached us some time later that its appearance had spread there and has, and was due to the efforts of the learned sheikh imam mufti and sufi al-dabani mm. he found that among its properties was that it drove away fatigue and lethargy and brought to it the body of certain spiritualness and vigor End quote nice a translation from al jazeera's manuscript traces the spread of coffee from Arabia Felix, present-day Yemen, Mm -hmm. northward towards Mecca, and then to larger cities such as Cairo, Damascus, Baghdad, and Constantinople. Mm -hmm. By 1414, the plant was known in Mecca, and in the early 1500s was spreading to the Mamluk Sultanate of Egypt in North Africa, and the Yemeni port of Mocha. Initially associated with Sufism, many coffee houses grew up in Cairo in Egypt around the religious university of uh, Yeah, you know, the famous university there. Coffee houses also, also opened up in Syria, especially in the cosmo, cosmopolitan city of Aleppo, which is an ancient city, yeah, it is, yeah. which is known today, and then in Constantinople, the capital of the Ottoman Empire. So an uh, uh, Ottoman historian, his name is, I don't know if it's Pasevi or Pachevi. I don't know if they say a siege. Uh, it's ch- ch- it's, ch- it's ch- ch- Chuh, right? Yeah, That's what I thought. Jezve is the Pachevi pi- yeah. of the early 17th century writes, quote, until the year 962, and the high-guarded, God-guarded coffee and coffee houses did not exist. About that year, a fellow called Hakam from Aleppo and a wag called Shams from Damascus came to the city. They each opened a large shop in the district called Takikala and began to purvey coffee. These shops became meeting places of a circle of pleasure seekers and idlers, and also of some wits from among the men of letters, and literati, and they used to meet in groups of 20 or 30. Some read books, fine writings, some were busy with backgammon and chess, some brought new poems, and talked about literature. It continues, it reached such a point that all kinds of unemployed officers, judges, and professors, all seeking preferment, and corner corner sitters with nothing too proclaimed, that there was no place like it for pleasure and relaxation, and filled it until there was no room to sit or stand. It became so famous that besides the holders of high offices, even great men could not refrain from coming there. The Imams, the Mazinis, the pious uh, hypocrites said, people have become addicts of the coffee houses. Nobody comes to the mosque. The Ulama said, it is a house of evil deeds. It is better to go to the wine tavern than there. Thus it was deemed Haram until overturned by an order of the Ottoman, Sultan Suleiman I issuing a decree allowing the consumption of coffee with the blessing of the fatwa by the grand mufti Mehmet al-Imadi.
1: So I'm sorry remind me this what what what's her year here? Uh, what century we? In?
0: We're in the 1500s. Okay, 1500, okay. Yep. So he made them illegal. Yeah. Wow. So he so he made it illegal and then eventually they they made it uh legal they made it made it again. legal again. All right.
1: Spending too much time, yep. drinking coffee. They did. Um, we have no problem if you come drink a lot of coffee at our coffee shop, though.
0: No. It's not illegal. And at Baba Java, it is not illegal to drink coffee.
1: Yeah, you can drink as much as you want. All
0: right. So these places were called Cafe Canes, coffee houses. Yeah. They first appeared in Mecca in the 15th century. We just said that. In Constantinople, now Istanbul, in the 16th century. 1500 just what we were just talking about. Mm-hmm. They became popular meeting places where men of learning gathered to converse, play chess or backgammon type games like the yeah. quote we just read from that historian, and they smoked and drank. They also they were also known as schools of wisdom because of the clientele they attracted, and though political and religious leaders feared the free and honest discourse, it became that became common in such establishments. Their frequent bans on coffee houses, like the ones that, that, like the one we just talked about, were impossible to maintain. The drink had already begun to be ingrained in daily ritual and culture. So basically coffee
1: can produce freedom and enjoyment.
0: Uh, So, and and discussion. And knowledge. Yeah, it was, they were called houses of wisdom. Wow. So So Rachel, if we if drink more coffee, we get smarter. Yeah. Basically. Or at least wiser. Then y'all need to drink up. <laughs> hey. Have you ever watched The Sopranos? So in The Sopranos, I, they sit outside no. this little cafe, and oh, they're yeah. drinking their coffee. So yeah. they became wise guys. Nice. I like that. Okay. All right. So thousands of pilgrims visited Mecca each year, right? Right. Um, from all over the world. Mm-hmm. Knowledge of this wine of Arabia began to spread. By 1538, the, the Ottomans, they parbled the coffee beans. What that means is they wanted to, to render them infertile, okay? Oh. But, and to maintain their monopoly. I so they see. would sell the coffee to drink, but they, they, didn't want them, they didn't want people to take it out to, to the rest of yeah, the world so sense. they could grow coffee plants themselves because they wanted to keep that monopoly and, and export it from mocha. This is where the coffee synonyms mocha, came from. Mm-hmm. So, so it came from where this port was in Yemen yeah. called Mocha, where the yeah. coffee would come in and out of. Yeah. Okay. The first record of coffee growing in India occurred following the introduction of coffee beans from Yemen by this guy named Baba Budan. He was a Sufi scholar on pilgrimage to Mecca, and he took it to the hills to India to Chikmagalur, Karnataka in 1670. Mm. Coffee's grown in three regions in India. So Karnataka, Kerala, and Tamil Nadu forming the traditional coffee-growing regions of South India. Indian coffee is grown mostly in the South uh, under, mo- under the monsoon r- rainfall conditions. It's also termed as Indian monsoon coffee. I've never heard that, but apparently that's what it's called in some places. So that's how it spread from Yemen to India. Okay. So Baba Budan snuck some, some coffee, some yeah. fertile beans out from mocha yeah. to India, and he started growing them, and apparently it grew pretty well. It grew pretty well. I just said it growed. I just said it growed pretty it grew well. It growed pretty well. So this guy's a coffee thief. Yeah. A Su- the Sufi priest yeah. came on pilgrimage to Mecca, Yeah, stole coffee beans, and took it wow. back to India. So you're welcome, coffee India. Thief.
1: Yeah, I appreciate that,
0: Baba Buddha. So that's how it went to Asia. Mm-hmm. In 1616, a Dutch merchant, Peter Vandenbroek, obtained a few cuttings of Arabica coffee trees from Mocha, and he smuggled them to Amsterdam. After cultivating them in a botanical garden in Amsterdam, they grew and flourished. After 40 years of thriving in the Amsterdam botanical gardens, some of the coffee trees were transplanted in in Ceylon, now Sri Lanka, and then started growing coffee trees in their East India settlement in Java in 1696. So again, the they were up, these tree cuttings were obtained. obtained yeah. By, by this quotes guy Vanderbroek. Heavy quote. Yep. So Vandenbroek obtained this, took it to Amsterdam. They started growing there. They flourished. They took some some of those trees and they transported it to their their East Indian places, yeah. and eventually went to Java in, in 1696. The trees became very fertile here and produced so much fruit that the Dutch eventually abandoned many of their other plantations for this these plantations in Java. And so that's where this word java became synonymous with coffee which we appreciate because our name is Baba Java. Exactly. And that's where we got it from. Thank you Vanderbrook, for sneaking yeah. for stealing the coffee, it is, and taking the it. The Baba to java. is not for Baba Budan, although that is a cool coincidence. It is a cool coincidence. But it, so so these two guys that stole coffee yeah from from Yemen yeah and took it to the other places in the world. Yeah. That's where our names come from, Baba yeah. and Java. Man. Uh-oh. I didn't even think about that when we named it. So maybe I will blame it on Josh then.
1: Yeah,
0: Coffee was first introduced to Europe on the island of Malta in the 16th century, according to the TV documentary Madwarna. It was introduced there through slavery, unfortunately. Turkish Muslim slaves had been imprisoned by the Knights of St. John in 1565, the year of the Great Siege of Malta, and they would make their traditional beverage coffee. Domenico Magri mentioned in in his work uh, Virtu del Café, quote, Turks' most skillful makers of this concoction, also the German traveler Gustav Sommerfeld in the 1663 wrote, The ability of industriousness, industriousness with which the Turkish prisoners earned some money, especially by preparing coffee, a powder resembling snuffed tobacco with water and sugar. End quote. <laughs> coffee became a popular brevet, beverage in Maltese high society as many coffee shops opened. Coffee was also noticed in Aleppo, uh, it was noted in Aleppo by the German physician, botanist. Yeah, come on. Leonhard Raoulwolf. The first here. European to mention it. As Shob is what it was called. Shob. Is that what it's called in German? Where's Joshua when you need him? I
1: don't know.
0: He'll in, correct us. I'm, sure. I'm going to say Shob. Show notes, Rachel. Shob? I don't know. Shob. We'll have that we'll In 1573, Raoulwolf was closely followed by description from other European travelers. The vibrant trade between the Republic of Venice and the Muslims of North Africa, Egypt, and the East brought a large variety of African goods, including coffee, to this landing port and this European landing port. Venetian merchants introduced coffee drinking to the wealthy in Venice, charging them heavily for the beverage. They were making some, some cash they off should, of that. yeah. In this way, coffee was introduced to the mainland of Europe. In 1591, so there are many ways in which it was introduced to Europe, apparently. Yeah. So it sounds like Vanderbroek did to, to Amsterdam. And then Malta, yeah. and then it looks like Venice, also. Well,
1: surely the Turks did some of that, took some into Eastern. Well, Europe, these,
0: the, in Malta, that's where yeah. the Turks came from.
1: Well, that's true. That's true. <clears throat> um, in
0: 1591, Venetian botanist physis, the physician Prospero Alpini became the first to publish a description of the coffee plant in Europe. The first European coffee house apart from those in the Ottoman Empire, and in Malta, opened in Venice in 1645. Wow! So we're up to the, to the 17th century now. That's interesting. In 1600, or this is an interesting story. Listen to this. In 1600, Pope Clement VIII's advisors asked him to ban the drink of the devil. Upon tasting it, though, wow. the Pope found it to be delicious and gave it papal approval. <laughs> this caused its rapid spread throughout the Catholic world. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you, Pope Clement Eighth. Yeah. We're giving it your papal approval.
1: So that's twice now that we've had religious leaders say it was bad and then change their
0: mind. It's very interesting. Yeah. So if the Pope likes it, you're good. You're good to go. Apparently he did. Thank you. Awesome. The first coffee house in Austria opened in Vienna in 1683 after the Battle of Vienna by using supplies from the spoils obtained after the, defeating the Turks. Mm. The officer who received the coffee beans. I'm not going to say his name, a Polish mi- military officer Good call. of the custom of adding added, uh, added the custom of adding sugar and milk to the coffee. Melange is the typical Vietnamese coffee you've probably heard mm-hmm. that before, which comes mixed with hot foam milk and a glass of water. Yeah, interesting. So that was from this battle. In the 17th century, the first coffee house houses opened in London. All right, now we're getting closer mm-hmm. to home. They charge a penny for entrance and provide newspapers, bulletins, gossip, and other other. Things. They provided gossip. Apparently. I don't know how you provide how, how do you gossip. How
1: provide gossip? I don't know.
0: They were frequented by university students, anti-royalist, parliamentarians. This was right after the English Revolution and the execution of Charles I. And ironically, the Puritans, who were allied with the parliamentarians, as you know, yeah. Oliver, Oliver Cromwell and his ilk. Mm-hmm. The first of these led to the formation of the Oxford Coffee Club, now known as the Royal Society. Coffee is eventually called into question in the Women's Petition Against Coffee. King Charles II responds to these meetings by banning coffee houses, but it was ver- reversed a, le- a year later.
1: So that's three times now. Yeah, had
0: this one was Charles and II, and Charles II was known as like. Rem- remember the Puritans and Oliver Crom- Cromwell? They basically banned everything. Yeah. So, well, so damn. that you can't dance, you can't no have fun. Christmas, you no can't have fun.
1: Okay. Yeah, essentially, it's uh,
0: footloose city on steroids. Exactly, and. But they like coffee. Yeah. So these coffee houses were good. But Charles II, who was like known as the party king, yeah. banned coffee houses. Yeah. That doesn't make any sense. It's kind sense. of the opposite of what you would think it would be. But he, didn't, he didn't want any rebellion to happen. In the 1600s, cof- coffee also reaches Paris, and many coffee houses began to appear in France. In 1669, Sultan Mehmet IV sent an emissary to Paris, and he brought coffee to give to, as gifts to the royal court of Louis XIV. Hmm. The courtiers and King loved the drink, and drinking coffee became firmly established in Paris and France in the next several years. In 1714, an infusion brewing process was developed in France. In 1713, the court of court of Louis XIV began adding sugar, a luxury for the rich.
1: If I'm not mistaken, that brewing method is what we call the French press. It is
0: exactly what it is. In 1714, Dutch Dutch ambassador to... Louis Court gave a coffee tree as a gift to the king. Louis loved the coffee and he planted this noble tree in his royal gardens. Mm. In 1720, when the king was away in Paris, a naval officer, Gabriel de Clue, nice pronunciation. He stole a seedling from the king's noble tree and he introduced it to Martinique, the island of Martinique in the Caribbean.
1: Your French is spot on.
0: The tree the tree began to thrive and it produces; it becomes the father of all the arabica trees in the Caribbean and Latin America.
1: Thank you so from much from Maloinek. Yeah.
0: So the Clue, appreciate that. Stole again. How come all these people are stealing Man. stuff from, from others it. and then providing Coffee's all this coffee just, to the world? Yeah. We're glad they did. I'm I'm not Seriously. glad that they stole things, but I'm glad it's here. It's one I mean. of the Ten Commandments. I mean, yeah, true. I shall not steal. They, but because they did, coffee. I think that's we have coffee.
1: I think it's an apocryphal addition. <laughs> except for coffee
0: maybe the french began cultivating coffee uh on their island of, of, of okay so they oh, so cool. it came from uh from Martinique,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: then it went to saint domain saint Domingue uh-huh. is where Haitian and dominican republic are today ah, okay so so the french began cultivating their coffee on saint Domingue, which is haiti and dominican republic and by 1788 half of the world's coffee was exported by half of the world's coffee by 1788 was exported by Saint Domingue, mostly where the Haitian side is.
1: Wow. That's amazing actually. In
0: 1727, the King of Portugal, Lieutenant Colonel Francisco de Malo Pelheda, was mediating a dispute between the Dutch and the French at Guyana. While mediating the dispute, he became very friendly with the governor of, of the French Guyana's wife.
1: Mm. Uh He
0: convinced her to help him smuggle out some of the fertile coffee seeds. In a farewell bouquet as he was leaving so she put some of the fertile seeds in this farewell bouquet and these seeds helped brazil become a world leader in coffee production that's how it came to brazil From Remember, it was portugal little bitty seeds mm-hmm. in this bouquet wow to his girlfriend unbelievable french guy and the governor's wife proud to the revolution war in the u.s in 1773 following the boston tea party Rebellious American colonists threw British tea overboard. We all know the story there.
1: Yep.
0: It became very patriotic to, to drink, drink coffee. coffee. Yeah. And we are because we drink coffee, we're patriots. Yeah. We love sure. America. See? Free- we love America. America. You so drink coffee.
1: freedom again playing a huge part in coffee.
0: Cultivation was taken up by many countries in the latter half of the nineteenth century. So now we're in the eighteen hundreds. And in almost all of them, it involved the large-scale displacement and exploitation of indigenous peoples, unfortunately. These harsh harsh conditions led to many uprisings, coups, and bloody suppression of peasants. For example, Guatemala started producing coffee in the 1500s but lacked the manpower to harvest the beans. As a a result, the Guatemalan government forced indigenous people to work in the fields. This led to a strain on the indigenous people of Guatemala, and and it strained the relationship that still exists today. A notable exception is Costa Rica, where lack of labor prevented the formation of large farms. Smaller farms and more egalitarian conditions fomented unrest in the 19th and 20th centuries. In the 1900s, many Latin American countries faced a possible economic collapse. Before World War, before World war II, Europe was consuming large amounts of coffee. Once the war started, Latin America lost 40% of its market and was on the verge of economic collapse. Coffee was and is a major Latin American commodity, as we know. Um, the United States saw this, and they talked with Latin American countries. And as a result, the producer, producers agreed on an equitable division of the U.S. market. The U.S. government monitored this agreement for the time period which which this plan followed. The value of coffee doubled, which greatly benefited coffee producers in the Latin American countries, So they were having economic collapse because of basically right before the the conditions that were right before the war. Remember, that was the Great Depression era. Yeah, it was. was, Right before the war and the buildup. And then, so the U.S. government helped them them with their market share and the price doubled because of the U.S. market. This
1: is like the very beginning of the first wave of coffee. Yep. Modern coffee.
0: Brazil became the largest producer of coffee in the world Mm. by 1852. And it held that, status ever since Still it's dominated has. the world production exporting more coffee than the rest of the world combined from 1850 to 1950 and we just talked about that uh, guy from portugal that brought those beans a yeah. bouquet from it's crazy from uh, a small in guyana created. to brazil yeah. the period since 1950 saw the widening of the playing field due to the emergence of several other major producers colombia cote d'ivoire ethiopia vietnam east africa and others so there's a there's a a um, really interesting book called from Mark Pendergrast. It's called Uncommon Grounds: The History of Coffee and How yeah. It Transformed Our World, all right? So most of this other stuff is going to come from there. So I'm going to kind of go bullet point by bullet point some okay. of these some of these next things that happen, okay? 1781, Frederick the Great, okay, Russia forbids most Prussian coffee, roast. I'm sorry, uh Prussia for, forbids most Prussian coffee roasting. My people must drink beer. <laughs> that sounds about. That sounds very German, doesn't it? Yeah, it, it does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In 1806, Napoleon declares France self-sufficient. Remember that was part of his big yeah, deal. Yeah. He promoted chicory over coffee. Yeah. yeah.
1: Still drunk today, though.
0: James Folger, uh-huh. in 1850, arrives in San Francisco during the Gold Rush, and he makes his fortune from coffee. That's when yeah. first wave started. Yeah. In the in the mid 1800s, yeah. in 1864. A guy That's named out. Jabez Burns, The Prayer of Jabez. That's Jabez great name. Burns That's great name. invents an efficient self-dumping rooster. And in uh, 1878, uh, Caleb Chase and James Sandburn form Case and Sandburn, a famous early co- first wave coffee company. Okay. Joel Cheek invented invents Maxwell House Coffee Blend in Nashville, Tennessee in 1892. Oh, was from Tennessee, yeah. Mm-hmm. Tennessee. 1892. Joel Cheek. In 1900, Hills Brothers introduced vac- mm-hmm. vacuum pack canned coffee. Again, we're still yeah. in first wave here. Yeah,
1: but they're in San Francisco. Right?
0: All right, yeah. listen to this one. In 1901, Italian guy named Luigi Bezzera invents the first commercial espresso machine. Mm-hmm. So it started all all it all started with Bezzera. Yeah, and yet I don't know of any espresso machines named Bezzera. Do you?
1: Uh, how's it spelled? B e z z e r a. Yeah, there is a Bezzaro machine. Is there? Yeah, I think so. Okay. Well, hopefully. I'm pretty sure it is. I'm assuming it's now, I think the logo has a snake on it, if I'm not mistaken.
0: In 1906 in Bremen, Germany, Ludwig Roselius, which doesn't sound like a German name, but Patton's Kaffeehag, the first decaffeinated coffee. Oh. In France, it's called Sanka. Sanka. Sons Caffeine.
1: Yeah. Sons Caffeine. I know that. Jerry always kept a in his kitchen in Sunfield.
0: Oh, oh yeah, Yeah. he sure did. Yeah, George even comments on it. Yeah, he does. Uh, In 1908, German housewife Melita Benz, which sounds more German, makes a coffee filter using her son's blotting paper. Oh. Makes sense. In 1911, the founding of the National Coffee Roasters Association, which ultimately became the National Coffee Association.
1: Yeah.
0: 1938, listen to this one. Nestle, Nestle, Mm -hmm. Toulouse, uh, just mm-hmm. Nestle, introduces Nescafe and imported an improved instant coffee just before World War II. Maxwell House follows with its instant brand. So mm-hmm. during the war, instant coffee was huge. Of course.
1: Soldiers could drink it on the field with just hot water. Maybe.
0: 1958, Bodum introduces the Santos Vacuum Coffee Maker. Nice. In 1960, the Colombian Coffee Federation debuts this guy named... Juan Valdez. Oh, yeah. The humble coffee grower. I remember those commercials. Yep. In 1965, it was a brilliant marketing. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I still remember it. 1965, Boyd Coffee introduces the flavor flow. (laughs) Never heard of that. Brewing system pioneered the filter and coffee home brewer. So maybe it was like one of the first home brewers. Maybe. Flavor flow.
1: (laughs) Never heard of it.
0: In 1966, oh, here we go. Full circle with the Dutch. Dutch immigrant Alfred Mm Pete owns... Opens Pete's Coffee in Berkeley, California, considered the beginning of the specialty coffee revolution. Yeah, so right. we're talking, so we're starting second wave now. Yeah. Okay. Correct. So he's a, again, we're full, we're full circuit with the Dutch who took it from Mocha mm-hmm. to Indonesia, Amsterdam to Indonesia. Asia, Indonesia, Java. Yeah. And then now they're taking, bringing it to Berkeley, California. Awesome. Which is another country. <laughs> 100%.
1: <laughs> Alfred Pete. Thank you, Alfred. We appreciate it. And Pete's coffee is I mean, yeah, it if was, you go into one today, it's still good. I mean, as far as even though it's a chain, it's I mean, I prefer it better than Starbucks, but
0: all right. In nineteen seventy one, here we go. Jerry Baldwin, Zeb Siegel, yeah. and Gordon Balker open Starbucks in Seattle. Yeah. The charter in nineteen eighty two, the charter for the specialty coffee association in America is written in nineteen eighty two. In nineteen eighty seven Howard Schultz buys Starbucks and begins to turn it into a worldwide specialty. Yep. Is it a specialty coffee chain? It, it started as such, but it, yeah, anyway. In some, in some ways it is, and sometimes it is, and yeah. sometimes it's not. It depends on which coffee it is. right? So some of their coffee is specialty, and some of it's not. Correct. In 1908, in the Netherlands, Max Havelaar, that Max Havelaar seal certifies p- fair trade coffee.
1: Uh-huh. So we're going to and we'll have a whole other show
0: about that but around the turn of the century an organization name we're going to talk about it right now a little bit okay organization named fair trade emerged in the past 20 years fair trade coffee has become very popular mm. the idea of fair trade is to pay the farmers more money so the farmers can have better lives so the, the premise and the idea is, is the idea absolutely we're 100 on board with that most fair trade farmers come from latin america there is controversy however about the effectiveness of fair trade the propon- proponents argue that fair trade helps the farmer receive a larger salary which allows them them to live better lives. Opponents argue that fair trade does not keep records and therefore cannot be accountable.
1: Right. Well, and a lot of times what happens is, if, if I'm not mistaken, that farmers are paid by volume. So fair trade coffee isn't always good. So just because a coffee has a fair trade seal on it doesn't mean that is good coffee. And a lot of times, uh, those farmers have to pay money themselves to get that fair trade, um, seal all their stuff. So just because it's fair trade, doesn't mean it's the farmers getting a fair price for it. So, which is why we use the term direct trade and we can talk about that later, but direct trade is you actually negotiating price based on the quality with the farmer. And then, you're buying it at that price so
0: i think that's what most opponents of the fair trade seal would say yeah correct we we believe in the ideal the ideal of fair trade of course we 100%. want the farmers to have the best lives that they can yeah we want them to get the 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 most fair right uh, uh income they can for their for their hard work they're the ones of that course. are doing the hard putting the because
1: hard it work. also incentivizes them to keep going that's, that's right right yeah and to even improve their crop if possible.
0: So. That's right. That's right. And that leads us to today, the third wave, which is Let's where we are today.
1: Grateful for the third wave.
0: So, we Baba Java coffee are part of that. And definitely, we are a specialty shop and we are part of all those smaller coffee roasters and distributors and brewers who love coffee and want excellence from farm yeah. to cup. And that's kind of what where we are today. Right.
1: I also want to say, um, there has been a little bit of a stigma with third wave shops that third wave shops can be pretentious. And I have been in them before that are like that. Um, it's, it's starting to change some, but I'm hoping, and I think our, uh, customer reviews would reflect that, that when you come into Baba Java, um, we are not pretentious and we are, again, as we've said, we we're all about education and we want to educate the customer on everything they ask and to do it in a kind and peaceful and loving way. So um, even if you come in and you don't know what you're doing and you don't know what you're ordering, it's okay. Feel free to ask. And uh, our staff is, our, our team is very uh, knowledgeable and should be able to help.
0: We believe in excellent coffee from farm to cup. Mm-hmm. We believe in excellent customer service. Yes. We believe in excellent education. Correct. And those are the things that we want to be to all of you.
1: If it if you're if 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 an experience doesn't reflect those things, we need to know.
0: As well. Yeah, let us know. Well, thanks, Brad. I hope it wasn't yeah. too boring. Me reading the not at
1: all, of coffee. not at all. I'm uh, hoping it's in, informative to the uh, listener.
0: So from if the humble hear. beginnings with Caldi and his jumping goats and the jumping excitable goats. You know, I think
1: I prefer that that goat story. You know, because then think you think can say they're the goat of coffee.
0: The goat. Of the coffee. goat See, of coffee. This cof- is okay. what Rachel's here.
1: <laughs> For yes. for greatest, this. greatest of all time we are we are there yeah i like that i like that
0: story Again, all right we're going with that one then. i
1: don't know if it's 100 percent accurate it, it is but but it's we, we're going to declare
0: it 100 percent accurate all right well done. that's what people do nowadays right you just, just say it you just go true. with it <clears throat> whether there's evidence or not right, right. What, okay anyway, we're leaning into that that's that's where coffee came from uh twists and turns interesting yeah. stories theft right intrigue and, affairs all of the above and desire for freedom is a huge part freedom
1: (laughs) i mean it was a big part of it and uh yeah so thanks guys um comment tell
0: Tell us what you think yeah questions tell us which of the 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 uh origin myths you think is the right one or the one you like the most Which one you like the the most yeah there's more but we decided to cut those out (laughs) because they were weird but they are thanks a a lot thanks for joining us we'll talk to you next time